A Quick Timeout podcast is presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Duke Blue Devils, and countless others and an upgrade to Dr. Dish Basketball. And now, save an extra $300 on select models when you mention Quick Timeout Podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. Today's guest is coming off her second WNBA championship as a member of the coaching staff for the Las Vegas Aces. She's Coach Natalie Nicasse. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, excited to talk with her. Uh, prior to her time there with the Aces, spent several years in the Los Angeles Clippers organization as well as several teams overseas, and she played four years at UCLA and just a lot of experience both as a player and the coach. So I'm excited to talk to her about several different things today. Coach, your second year in a row winning the WNBA title, uh, as exciting, more exciting, or is it just different? Second one's sweeter. Really? <laughs> because, you know, everyone wants to be the defending champion. Sure. So, like, we had the biggest target on our back this year, especially, you know, once we pick up Candace and Alicia Clark, um, we had a, a bigger target. And then, you know, for just for some reason, we just felt like, as time went on, the media kind of really was pushing for New York in a way, you know, I mean, we could see it with our eyes, we could read. And so it just kind of gave us a little bit more motivation. And then obviously game four, we had two starters that were, you know, injured, so they couldn't play. So then winning, you know, winning the finals with, without two starters, kind of really put a little bit sweeter feeling after we won. So adjustment wise, did you feel like you had to make big changes or was it kind of like continue on? You just had people step up. Um, We had people step up definitely and credit to our bench. Um, They stayed ready. I mean, talk about having the most professional players I've ever been around um, in professional sports. I mean, they worked out every single day. They did stay ready games. Uh, They worked, you know, on their game in their conditioning level too. I mean, they just went from zero minutes to 35 minutes just within seconds. So give them credit. And then obviously we had to make adjustments just because we had to play with two or three players that we haven't played as frequently as our starters. And without Chelsea Gray, I mean, you don't have, you know, the head of your snake, your brains out there. We definitely had to adjust, but we compete so much in practice. I think that had a lot to do with it. I'm going to ask you about several of those things you just said. The first one, just about the people. Can you talk about who they are as far as players that make them successful? And they're just professional. So to me, that means you come in to work every single day and you give your full attention, your full energy, also positive energy. I think that's the biggest thing is because we spend so much time together that you have to be joyful <laughs> to be around. And, you know, it starts with Becky Hammond. Obviously, she enjoys having fun at practice. She likes to dance. She likes to sing. So do our girls. And so that kind of allows that environment to be yourself and be authentic because anything goes pretty much in our practice. Secondly, is to their work ethic. I mean, some people who never play, I mean, I've been a bench player at UCLA, I've been a starter, and to come in and to be able to put that amount of effort as much as the starters do every single practice, I mean, that's hard, you know, to go in thinking the next day in the game, I'm probably not going to play, and then have that still that strong mindset and that focus to get better every single day, just in case, you know, you have to be ready to play in the game. I'm interested to hear how you can have a team with so many stars and have them coexist and perform at such a high level. Is there anything from even from from Becky's leadership or the people or anything that makes that group that special? 
Yeah, it starts with Becky. I think our first meeting in our first year, you know, that was something that we talked about is like, we have a lot of talent, but we have to figure out how this talent could fit together. And so the process was in our first year was try to identify the roles within the system that we wanted to play both offensively and defensively. So we kind of gave them like a little bit of a script and then just evaluate them as it goes on. And what it started to entail in our first year was just a lot of hard conversations because some of the stars couldn't you know, get as many shots as they wanted to maybe the previous year or maybe what they used to do in college. And so I would say our first year together, Becky would say, whether it was her or whether it was, you know, when the assistant coaches, hey, go talk to so-and-so. She needs to hear this. You know, she needs to hear this about her role. OK, go talk to you know this person just because uh, maybe she needs a little bit more confidence in this situation. But I think the biggest thing we learned from year one was the sooner we have these tough conversations and to get out in the open what your role is going to be, but also to not pigeonhole you, you know, was going to make our offense a lot more fluid. And I think that was the biggest key. And, you know, just credit to Becky was just like this first year, is gonna, it's going to be rough. You know, she's like, it's going to be rough. It's because it's like 12 people, you know, coming together. And we, and we didn't know each other. I didn't know Becky. I didn't know the players. And so it was all, all about truth telling, having hard conversations. From the style of play that you all play, mm -hmm. just as far as like skill set and everything, it seems like because of the system that you guys have created, you do give them a lot of freedom. You don't pigeonhole them into something. Can you talk about that aspect of it? Credit to the girls too with, you know, their work ethic in the off season. I mean, some of them go overseas and then some of them stayed with the coaching staff, you know, in Vegas, Jackie Young, Kelsey Plum. Asia Wilson, I mean, they stayed around because they just wanted to go, you know, a different route and say, hey, I want to get better in the offseason rather than, you know, go make money overseas. So credit to them of the sacrifice they did. But when girls want to work out six, seven days a week, I mean, <laughs> you know, it starts with them. It's their commitment. Um, and then it also starts again with our coaches like Tyler Marsh. He's like terrific at player development. He kind of starts out with what, you know, their weaknesses is and how we can strengthen them, but actually what actually fits with when what Becky wants. And I mean, year one was all about, you got to, you got to be able to shoot threes. That was the biggest thing, right? Cause we want to space the floor. So space and pace is like pretty much our mantra in our offense. And to go back to your question of allowing them to play free, well then, you know, in the off season, they get to be creative. They get to work on whatever skill, whatever move, you know, they want. And then again, allowing these girls to play in space, giving them that freedom. And then also, I'd say with Becky, in terms of in-game situations, she's not big on like counting them on their mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. So if they turn over the ball, she's like, well, let's kind of evaluate the turnover. Is it a forced turnover? Mm -hmm. Is it a turnover, you know, that they just made advancing the pass? She's like, I'm not mad at that because, you know, they're trying to pass to a teammate. But if it's something like where they're just going one-on-one, -on -one, they turn it over. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's call the person out and tell them they got to, you know, make the pass. So just again, like I said, having tough conversations, but giving them the freedom to be themselves. Yeah. And I've, I've found you play that style of ball. You, you have to live with sometimes ugliness and sloppiness and turnovers for sure. That's something that I was just thinking about the other day. I think for a lot of coaches, they feel like all turnovers are created equal and they're, they're not, they're <laughs> come from different reasons. And especially again, playing the style that you're playing. And I wanted to ask you about those styles because both you and Becky have spent considerable time in the NBA. And even going back to your playing days, how has the women's game changed? And 
what kind of impact do you think that the borrowing of your time from coaching on the men's professional side, how has that influenced what you guys are doing right now with the aces? It influenced us a lot, really. Um, the things that we've learned through the NBA, especially with small ball, you know, that I've learned from Tyron Lou. I mean, he was one of my, he's one of my mentors um, and seeing how effective it can be because at the end of the day, I think the key thing to, you know, being successful is you always want your five best players to play no matter what height, no matter, you know, but obviously they have to be successful and know their role in that situation. So what Becky did was, you know, she brought the things that she learned from pop and just her own personal, you know, philosophy in terms of offense. And I brought some of my stuff, Tyler brought some of his stuff, but biggest thing I think with the NBA is small ball and spacing where when we came, you know, the season before I actually did a lot of digging in terms of the WNBA and they had two post players, you know, it just, to me, that just clogs the paint. Um, especially when you have really talented guards. And so as much as you want, again, we want to space the floor. So again, being able to shoot a three, you know, even as a big space in the floor, allowing them to play, you know, naturally in their abilities. I think that was the biggest thing that we changed. And then just ball movement. I think that's the biggest thing, ball movement and body movement. Um, that's something I don't think we stress too much in college. If I can go back and, and remember, which was a long time ago. We just didn't do that much, and we did have, you know, two post players. But I think the game, it speeds up the game a little bit, obviously gives you more options, and the scoring obviously goes up. How did you go about installing that type of offense? It kind of, well, again, it was Becky's uh, philosophy. And then we just kind of broke it down. She was really big on, which I really, really liked in training camp, she was big on playing three-on-three, three, and you break up the court in terms of playing three-on-three or sometimes because basically it's always three on three on one side, two on two on the other when you break up the court and the spacing. Um, so we did a lot of three on three and then just break down like little points of the offense of what she wanted to run. We thought we could, you know, we might as well just keep it simple. But the players, these women, they pick up things so fast. So we were able to put in oh, about 30 to 40 plays, I would say, in training camp, which was pretty remarkable. So, yeah, again, give credit to the players, give credit to Becky in terms of how she teaches, because sometimes it's not just what you know, but, you know, how do you get the players to buy in and absorb it quickly? Um, I think that was key. And it's just, you know, reps. The girls have a really strong work ethic. When you have 12 players or 11 players that have a really strong work ethic, it makes your job a lot easier. Question I get asked a lot, how much percentage-wise approximate do you feel like you guys are playing out of concepts versus how much you're running a, a set play? Concepts is majority. And again, it goes game to game between like what defense you're facing. You know, like New York's defense is completely different from Dallas's. Dallas is different from Chicago. So I would say overall, we have concepts in terms of how we're going to play versus a team because you also, you know, we're big on attacking the weaknesses of the defense. So you got to figure that out. And then the set players are more for like execution, end of the game stuff, out of timeouts. Obviously, you want to take care of those because you get a minute to huddle and write down a play or draw a play, which the girls are great at. Um, and that's something we do practice a lot. And practice is like Becky will, you know, huddle them up, draw a play. And we got to really work on execution. If not, watch film the next day. Hey, this is, and she'll break it down. Like, hey, this is, you know, the time it was screen or a cut or, you know, this and that. So I would say both, but majority, I'd say concepts. Preseason, early season mm -hmm. versus just season practice time and the distribution of your time. Talked about some of the things, what you do, what do those look like in regards to how much time you're spending on things and how much you're playing three on three, five on five, that sort of thing. We look at the schedule first, right? Because, you know, every week is different. Like sometimes we have four games. I mean, one, one stretch, we had 11 games in 23 days plus travel. 
makes no sense to me. But um, so we have to look at the schedule. We have to look at how many players are playing and how many minutes they're playing. So once we do that, we break down in terms of the length of the practice, right? Like you don't want to kill kill your players. You want to make sure the minutes, the playing minutes are more important than practice because you want to win the games. You don't need to win the practice. And then secondly, we have scout guys. So that helps a lot. So we will, you know, give them like the New York offense and the New York defense, and then we'll go against that. Basically, I would say going back to your question is that we work on things that we're really weak at in that game. So whether we win or lose, it doesn't matter if we struggle with maybe a pick and roll defense or maybe closing out to the three point line. Like we'll just kind of hone on that and then carry that over because we don't want our weakness. You know, we don't want any weaknesses in our defense. So we want to be strong across the board. Every play, every stat, every breakdown, on their own, they're essential, but altogether, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advantage tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing pieces to get the most out of every second of film. Learn more at huddle.com slash a quick timeout. A big thanks to 323 Sports for supporting the show. The guys with 323 Sports are a team dealer providing uniforms, gear, equipment, and more to schools and colleges across the country. I've used them on multiple occasions, and their customer service and low prices are second to none. To find out more, visit 323sports.com, or you can reach out directly to a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. Focusing in on defense, I wondered, as offenses continue to evolve, what kinds of things have you found yourself or do you find you your team spending the most time on in regards to attempting to slow down the offense? You're gonna, you might laugh at this concept, but transition defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the most basic. I can't tell you a number, but I would just say that we were bad at it, like just across the board. Like if you, you know, if you rank the teams one through 12, we were not in the top five, I guess I could say. So that's glaring, right? Because you don't want to give up free points. Like you don't want to give up a team that just pushes the ball and then just gets a layup just based off of effort. And so that was big with New York and Dallas. I mean, they were teams that just get out of the gates. I feel like they even like just had someone leave early every single time. And so with that, you have to be keen on that. So we watch clips. We watch, you know, we had to call out certain people. There's certain people who <laughs> decided to not give that effort. And at the end of the day, it was effort and communication. Effort to be like, I got to spread back. Yeah. Secondly, communication. You need to call out who you have. You know, you can't just come back, you know, to the paint, especially again, versus teams that shoot the three in transition. Why would you run? Becky would love to say, why would you run to the paint? There ain't anybody down there. You know what I mean? And these girls could shoot so well is that you have to close and you have to run to the three. So that was our biggest concept. I mean, just because, you know what, from high school, you were learned to just sprint back, protect the rim. That's right. The, mm-hmm. the biggest thing with transition. But not when teams can shoot the three and not when teams, you know, value the three in transition. So that was one of the hardest things. But, you know, film doesn't lie. Mm-hmm. So show them on film. I wonder, too. You don't have to give away any secrets, but as more teams are going to pace and space and spreading the floor and five out, you know, a lot of that, you guys killed people on spacing the floor, driving it and scoring it and just being able to guard the basketball. And now you're drawing help and then rotating. 
how do you guys practice the help and rotating in high school, college level? You, you rotate once, maybe twice, and somebody's jacking up a shot. But at your level, it's one more, one more, one more. And by that point, you're just hoping somebody's there. How, how do you guys rep that kind of stuff? You kind of have to just be real with them and just be like, well, how, how bad do you guys want to win? Hmm. I mean, it just, it sounds, you know, cliche, but you really have to ask yourself, like, you know, winning a championship is very hard. I mean, on any level from grade school to high school to AU, um, it doesn't matter. It's just the constant mindset of like, you have to outplay the other team, you know, as a unit. I think the call out, I think for our coaching staff, whether it's in a game or whether it's, you know, an individual a film, because some players actually learn better individually, individually with the film session, rather than you call them out on a, in front of the team. And again, you got to read the room. You got to know your players. That's that's key with coaching is that you can't treat everyone the same because they're not the same. And so with that, it was, you know, telling the truth right away and just delivering the message. And then if that's not the message, then honestly, the bench was sometimes the best teacher at times. And I think, again, just credit to, you know, Becky and our coaching staff is the hard truth quickly. And then, you know, relaying the message and getting out there and understanding our goal is to win a championship. I mean, I'm assuming that part of the playing and practice allows the ladies to get better at actually guarding and that kind of thing. Is it more so that, or you do any drills or a combination of the two? We do drills. It's more scrimmaging because Becky's really, she's not big on like scripting every little thing. Cause she's like, you can't really mimic everything that's going to happen in the game. And that's just when it comes down to hustle, heart and communication, right? Like at defensively at the end of the day, you are pretty much in control on the defensive end. And that was the biggest thing from going from the first year, even though we won, I think we're six overall defensively. And so our goal as a staff um, was to be number one defensively this year. We were able to be number one um, finishing the season. And then again, that just goes to, you know, continuously like drilling them. We did actually a lot more defensive drills, I would say this year. But in terms of like what you're talking in terms of scrambling, it's again, the girls being able to get on each other. So not only are we telling each other, I mean, the players, the truth, the players have to tell each other the truth within seconds, right? On the floor, screaming at each other, yelling at each other. Hey, you got next, you got there. I mean, a great example is, you know, our last possession versus uh, New York where Jackie just, she fires, she goes, you know, at Stewie while Alicia Clark has Stewie, she goes and then KP goes and takes Jackie's man. And then Jackie just goes and takes Vanderson. I mean, that just kind of is the epitome of like what we what we ask for for them. And again, it's trust because a lot of times and I'll tell you a weakness that we had was a lot of times when you're on the floor and you're a player, you don't want your player to score. Right. So say I was guarding Sabrina. Like I don't want Sabrina to score. But so then they're not there for the rotation. So what we had to do is build trust within mm-hmm. our defense is trust that, hey, Jackie, when you're guarding, you got to leave her sometimes. You know what I mean? To guard the ball because the ball is more important. And so when you leave her, just trust that someone is going to have Sabrina. You know what I mean? So we didn't, we need to get their mindset that it's not about your man scoring. It's about them scoring on us as a whole. I know so many stats available to you now, but is there anything that you guys really like to focus in on or things that you really like to focus in on either side of the ball that you have found tell the story of how your team is playing that night? Because we played, we played small a little bit. Um, was just rebounding. I think, you know, Becky's just big on rebounding just because, again, it tells you the pretty much the story of how many possessions you have compared to the other team. And at the end of the day, you want more shots than the other team because that's the only really reason and give you the good chance of winning. For us, if we didn't rebound 
um, we didn't give ourselves a good chance to either stop them from scoring or give us more possessions on offense. So, and people will always ask like, how do you guys work on rebounding? Well, you work on it in practice. You know what I mean? Like just, it's just simple. You script a play, ball goes up, you box them out. And then again, film doesn't lie. You show the film. Hey, you're not boxing out. You're not boxing out. Stats don't lie. Show them the stats. Like this is not enough. We're not going to, you know, win a championship if we don't out rebound a team. So as basic as it is, rebounding is key. And, you know, we actually go a little bit back to Becky bringing up the Spurs, losing to Miami, you know, in the championship game off of that rebound. I could go back into, you know, games where we've lost just off of a simple, like of a free throw. You cannot lose a game off a free throw. I mean, how would you like your whole season to go and then boom, a free throw goes and they get the rebound and they put it back in. So we work on those details a lot. You got the experience earlier this year, just due to some circumstances to sit over one chair as the head coach. How was that experience? How was the entire experience, I guess, first? And then we can talk about the other stuff. Um, it was great, to be honest, especially doing it in L.A. And Becky did that intentionally. You know, mm-hmm. she's just like, I know that's home for you. She's like, you know, we'll have Tyler do the Seattle game and you do the L.A. game. And because she's like, I know it's going to be sweeter in front of your family. And again, you know, she's very intentional. She she knows what she's doing. But at the end of the day, I'm so grateful that I had her prepare Um, helped me prepare for that situation. And she was on my side, like, I mean, she was pretty much like right here, you know, anyways, like I can hear saying some things that she uh, went over and we reviewed a lot of things before I I went. And um, I think that was the biggest thing was knowing that the staff, Tyler uh, CT is also our assistant who sits on the bench. Like they had my back, you know, like it basically felt like training camp. So it wasn't anything new because actually Becky allows uh, me and Tyler to take each team in training camp. So it was basically just being on like a bigger stage pretty much. So I'm just grateful, you know, for the opportunity and obviously having great coaches around me. I know a lot of coaches, like we're, we're control freaks anyways, a lot of us and the head coaches, you're controlling every aspect of it, but I've just, I've heard more and more coaches being really intentional about preparing their assistants for situations like that, or even just going out and getting their own job. And one of the understood, but I didn't understand it until you live it. Mm-hmm. It's just the aspect of you being responsible for everything. What was that like? I mean, it was exciting. It was thrilling, to be yeah. honest. I mean, yeah, I was sweating a little bit. But again, the, so the preparation part, like I just delegated the assistance because I knew I needed help. So I delegated, you know, Tyler, offensively, whatever you see. And I go, here are the play. I gave him the plays. I go, here are the plays that I think is going to work. But you have your own, your own plays. Do you want me to? you know, draw it, just tell me. And then I said, CT, can you help me with the sub substitution pattern? But again, that's a feel thing too. Like if I see someone rolling, I'm just going to let that person roll. If I see someone tired, I'm just going to have to take them out, foul trouble, all this stuff. Fouls, we have Celia, you know, who sits behind us. Um, she does a foul. So again, once I delegated everything, I, I really felt um, at ease in terms of that preparation. And then offensively, I was like, Chelsea, I said, whatever you see, I go, you roll, you roll with it, you know, but I go, if you need something, I go, just look at me. But I, you know, I have to trust the point guard. Like she's, she's the best. And then, you know, I have four Olympians on the team. It's like, as much as like, I love to take the credit, but the girls are also great players too. But shoot, we were down 15 at half. So I was like, at halftime, I gave a speech that, you know, wasn't, what wasn't the nicest, but I was like, where are you guys? You know, like. 
I need y'all to wake up. And they came through. We kind of put a little bit more emphasis on a couple of things that were hurting us. Just showed them through film because that's Becky's big thing is like whatever's hurting you guys, show them on film right away, correct it, make adjustments and then go out there and, you know, and they played great. They played a lot harder in this in the third quarter. Um, they went on a push. Jackie Young, you know, went for 30 plus or whatever. I think she had a career at night. And then after they're just like, see, coach, they're like, we weren't going to let you down. And I was like, well, <laughs> play a little better in the first half, you know, because I think that was probably like, I mean, going throughout the season, we might have been down. That was probably the most we've ever been down. Probably. <laughs> so, yeah, they made me work for it. But again, uh, great staff, you know, great players around. I mean, they weren't going to let me lose. So we are now at postseason for you all. And I was just wondering, what do you do in regards to, or do you do anything in regards to meeting with the women after the season's over player development wise? These are things that we'd like for you to do that kind of thing. What's that process look like formal, informal, and anything in between now and the start of the next preseason? So for on-court stuff, we kind of, first we give the girls a rest, you know, obviously. Um, but Jackie Young, I mean, she's at USA right now, so she didn't get too much of a break. Obviously, girls who had some injuries have to just take care of themselves. And then kind of whenever they're ready, really, it's kind of a communication thing. Um, from December, January, February, if they're going to stay around, again, we'll go look back. Tyler will look back at, you know, the weaknesses and stuff like, like that in terms of our offense and defense. I think we're going to do a little bit more probably defensive stuff because not a lot of people talk about defensive, you know, skills to work on in the offseason. And I'm a big believer that the reason why they're not good defenders is because they don't work on it. So I'm probably going to implement that a little bit more as we go on, probably starting around December. And then the girls that go overseas, they go overseas and we kind of keep an eye on them with that. And then I would say off the court, you know, we're going to start talking, you know, obviously we have to get ready for the draft. And then probably just catch up on, you know, what could we improve from the finals? What could we have done better um, overall from the season, both offensively and defensively? And then Becky's really big on like watch basketball in the offseason, you know, watch. And she's like, anything that you you see that you like, you picked up. Like I just watched Golden State and they had um, 0.2 seconds, I think, versus Sacramento. And they put two people on the on the ball. And that was something Bob Hill, I I uh, was Bob Hill's assistant in Japan. And that's what we did. We put, he's like, I want to put two of the biggest guys on the ball. And I'm like, why? And he was just like, cause it just freaks them out. Like it will just, you know, like then you can basically, you can't see. And I was just like, okay. Like I I was young. I was like 26, 20. I was like, whatever, you know, whatever you, you're, you're the boss. And, and they did and Golden State did it. And so I was like, that's cool. Like they put two people on the ball. We couldn't get a shot up. So, I mean, that's something, you know, I thought that was pretty unique um, that we, I haven't had, we actually didn't have the opportunity to do that, but if that comes about, I think that's something, you know, we could use. Future. I mean, aspirations, would you like to men's side, women's side? What would you like to do eventually? I mean, right now, I know it just kind of sounds, I want to win a third one. I think what we have here is, is something special. I mean, I've been with a couple of different organizations, uh, not just with NBA, just overseas as well and in college. And, you know, when you win two and with like pretty much the core of the same people and then, you know, you just become so close. And so it's just something that I want to continue. And if we could win three, I think that would be, you know, historic, which I think that would be really good, especially for women's basketball. The movement of what Becky's doing I think it's completely, it's not given enough credit. Like I think mm -hmm. Becky has really changed the game for women's basketball in terms of the attention, what she's done. And so if we can go for three, 
that would be nice. And then eventually, you know, obviously aspirations to be a head coach, but there's no, there's no timeline on it. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is that people have like these specific, like, you know, I have to do this, I have to do this. But then when you give yourself a little bit of joy to enjoy these moments, everything's going to work out for itself. I'm a a big believer on that. So I think my time right now is to be here, to be present and to try to go for three. That's Coach Natalie Nakase of the Las Vegas Aces. Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me.